Aloha and welcome to Mission Church. Uh, I want to dismiss the children. Uh, if they're ready to go to Sunday school, you can follow Auntie Rochelle out the door. We call her Auntie Rochelle. That's what we do in Hawaii. Everybody's uncle and auntie. But thank you, Rochelle. Well, I am, I am still in awe to be able to meet in the sanctuary. I hope you feel the same way too and what a privilege it is. I have no problem meeting outside under the tent. I have no problem setting up outside, but man, isn't it nice to be in here? Amen? Now, I want you guys to remember one thing. Next Sunday, everybody repeat after me. I will be here at 9 a.m. for Sunday school. Right? I want to make sure everybody knows that. And our service starts at 10.30 for worship here. All right. So we're changing, and I don't want anybody to miss out on the great things that are happening in the life of our church. And it's easy to just revert to the normal as we, you know, it's oh, 9.30 church, but if you come at 9.30, you'll be late for Sunday school, but way early for church, which is okay. <laughs> but we want you to be here on time for all of the good things that we have. But I am just, gra- I feel gratitude in the depths of my soul today. Um, Just again, for the opportunity to meet here and to bring today's message. Today, um, I'm continuing in my series called Authentic. And uh, my my sermon today is called Authentic Worship. Now, I understand something, and I know you do too, that worship really can be a controversial issue in the church. And, um, And the reason for that is every single person in here has their own opinion and idea of what is good worship, right? And um, uh, I, I've heard of the stories uh, that date back to Charles Wesley as he was running our beloved hymns that we love so much here in the Church of the Nazarene and the challenges and the struggles that he faced in dealing with worship in that. Now, I want you to know that I'm not a historian when it comes to the controversy controversy of worship. But what I do know is that this controversy and the struggles that we face when we talk about worship, it's not something new and it's not something that's just relegated to our day to day. In fact, as we go through scripture, what you will find today in today's message is that the, 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 the struggle and the controversy of worship goes back to Jesus and even further into the Old Testament. And we're going to take a look at all of that. Now, in the past 20 years as a pastor, in fact, 27 years in ministry in my life, being on staff at different churches, I have heard almost, probably not all, but much of the controversy and the challenges and the struggles when it comes to worship. I lived through the years of the worship wars when the church just painfully moved from hymns to choruses and and how devastating and divisive that was for the church at the time. And so I want you to know that I understand that the controversy of of worship is nothing new. But today, I want you to hear me, My sermon is called Authentic Worship. And in my opinion, there's absolutely no controversy at all 
when it comes to what it means to worship authentically. Because authentic worship, really, from Scripture, is pretty straightforward. That's why I'm excited to bring my message to you today. If you're taking notes, and even if you're not, you should grab a pen and write this down. (laughs) Because what I'm about to say, I think, really is the foundation of, of today's message. And we'll build upon that. But you've got to understand this point, first of all. If you don't understand this, nothing else I say will matter today. And this is it. Authentic worship is a sacred endeavor. I'll say it again. Authentic worship, it's a sacred endeavor. A lot of different cultures and the people in them, right, have a great reverence for the sacred. Sacred things are, are, are set apart, and they understand that. Where I'm from in Hawaii, I just, by the way, I just got back from Hawaii. Um, I attended a funeral service there, got back late last night, and I'm excited to be here to share this message. But in Hawaii, there's a word that we use for the sacred. If you've ever been to Hawaii and you saw a sign with the letters K-A-P-U called Kapu, that means keep out. You're not, you're not welcome here, right? But the, the origins of that word Kapu isn't keep out. The origins of that word is, this is sacred space. That is why you should stay away, right? And wh- those sacred spaces in, in the Hawaiian tradition where where grave sites and temples, these ceremonial places that, that only certain people could enter. And the fear of entering when you're not allowed is death. That's the penalty of it. So, kapu was sacred. Don't enter, right? We have this kind of similar understanding, even in the Old Testament, that the sacred is something to, to, to take care caution of and be careful of and to understand the full uh the full weight of what it means to be sacred we have the same understanding the temple was sacred and only priests could enter the holy of holies and they need to be ceremonially clean and they need to prepare according to god's command and so if you have your bibles i invite you to turn to leviticus 10 because there's a a story of the sacred and the consequences of not abiding by the sacred. We have the story of the two sons of Aaron who offered, and I never heard this before, you know, unless reading this, an unauthorized fire and the tragic results of it. Bible scripture is up there, you can see it. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I will be So with that, I just want to remind you that authentic worship is a sacred endeavor, right? It's not to be entered into lightly. It is to be entered into with great preparation 
and maybe some trepidation. <laughs> and my sermon today is a reminder of that. That authentic worship recognizes God's worth and give, gives God all of the glory that He deserves. Which is a beautiful way to just kind of describe worship. Now, when we understand that authentic worship is sacred and that oh, sometimes if you enter into it like Nadab and Abihu, you enter into it with not the right way. I don't know if there's a better way to say that probably, but if you enter into it um, in a way that is not according to what God has commanded, um, man, there's consequences. And after hearing about the sacred and the, the, <laughs> the potential of death, maybe you're thinking to yourself, why would I even want to enter into that, right? I mean, that, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place. And uh, because I don't want to die. Anybody here wants to die like that? Not me. But here's the, the beautiful thing about worship and authentic worship and our relationship with God. You see, it's not God's desire to punish us. Do you understand that? It's his desire to be in fellowship with us. God's desire for the sacred is not for us to keep out or stay away. God's desire for worship is for us to be intimate and to be close. Think about this. We serve an almighty, all-powerful, transcendent God, and He invites us into His presence to worship Him. That, church, is a great privilege. That is a great privilege. God invites humanity into a sacred relationship to worship Him. And that began in the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve. And He created them to be in fellowship with Him. And, and then we read in the Garden that God often went and sought them out, right? He looked for them in the Garden. That's what God does. He has that same heart for us today. But Adam and Eve, well, you know the story. They hid from God, and that led to some tragic events. We don't want to do that. Yes, authentic worship is sacred, but we're not about trying to avoid God. Amen? Let us enter into the presence as He invites us in. So instead of keeping out of the sacred spaces, God opens the doors to His sanctuary and invites us into this dynamic relationship with Him that comes through worship. And in all of creation, we're the only ones that get to engage in it. And if we choose not to, then God says, well, the rocks will do it for you. <laughs> so let us enter in to this dynamic relationship that God has for us in worship. And when God reveals himself to us, then authentic worship should be our response, right? And we get a glimpse of what a response is that we should have in authentic worship. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, God brings Isaiah into his presence in worship. Many of you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. 
It's a glimpse into heaven. And Isaiah describes this scene with God sitting on his throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And there are angels and seraphim flying around. And they're all singing out what we sang earlier. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, oh, imagine that the doorpost and the threshold shook the temple. And it was filled with smoke. Can you imagine us singing one day and this whole place starts to shake and smoke comes out of the ground? I, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be scared. But that's what Isaiah sees, right? And listen to his response, which I think is so beautiful. <laughs> his response is, woe to me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Who here lives among people of unclean lips? Raise your hand. <laughs> we, we, we are all there. Even if you don't have unclean lips, let me tell you, you live amongst people with unclean lips, and we all enter into this presence, into this place, we should enter with fear and trepidation. And I want you to know, this is the sacred that God invites us into, right? And Isaiah's response is authentic worship. But over and over and over again in the Bible, we see people fall short of understanding the full dynamic of what authentic worship is due and what is due to God. In fact, in the New Testament, we see Jesus admonishing the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15. They were criticizing Jesus and his disciples as they picked grain to eat it. And they said, look at these guys. They don't even wash their hands when they eat. They're ceremonially unclean. This is an act of worship. and They don't do it right. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus quotes Isaiah 29. what he does. He goes all the way back to Isaiah 29. And he says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. <laughs> in Jesus' day, there was a departure from the state. Worshipping God with honor and giving Him what is due to Him. This is not authentic worship. In John chapter 4, we see another interaction that Jesus has with another person as they talk about the fine details of worship. And you know the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And their conversation moves to this whole topic of what is worship. And she says, you Jews, you guys think you know what it is? Well, we think we know what it is too. And there's a, a, a debate going back and forth with Jesus and the woman at the well. Who do you think wins that debate? <laughs> Pretty clear. And today, if we were to debate Jesus, he'd win too. Because this is what he says. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father 
in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. We can get a lot out of that. In fact, I'm going to dive into this just a little bit. But in the NRSV, that's what I got. The NASB. I love the translation of what the NASB says. Listen to this. But an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here's the departure here. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshiper. That tells me a great deal about what we ought to be thinking of when it comes to authentic worship. You see, Jesus gives us some handles to hold on to as we enter into the sacred space of authentic worship. Jesus understands the controversy of worship, right? That there's no consensus on what worship, but authentic worship is pretty straightforward. With just worship, everybody's got their own opinions. This Samaritan woman, she had her own opinions. Jesus gave her the truth. And Jesus is specific about authentic worship. And this is what he says. True worshipers, right? authentic worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So the first thing I want to tell you is true worshipers understand that worship is for the pleasure of God. Now, if you agree with me, you can say amen. <laughs> Last week, uh, Ginny, I think, screamed out amen, and everybody was jolted by that. I, I think that was beautiful. So if you hear me say anything that you that resonates with your heart, feel free to, to join in an agreement. True worshipers understand that authentic worship is for the pleasure of God. God is our object of worship. Authentic worship is directed to God and God alone. In fact, when it comes to worship, God is our only audience. Thank you. True worshipers also they worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Right? How, does, how do we define that? I think we go back to, to last week when we, when we looked at what an authentic church is. An authentic church is people loving God with all their heart, soul, and strength. Right? Soul and mind. And I think that's what authentic worship is when it comes to worshiping in spirit and truth. Expressing the true love that we have for God with all of our heart, with all of our strength and all of our mind. Where every prayer we pray is believed fully. And every song that is sung with every word, it's meant 100% of what we say. Earlier we sang the song, King of My Heart. And in the chorus there, the words were repeated. You are good. Good, good. Sorry for that. <laughs> but let me ask you this question. Did you mean it? Or was it just words that fell from your lips because that's what the worship team was playing? Do you know even who you were singing to when you said you are good? 
And what does it mean when we say God is good? And how is that reflected in our own hearts and in our lives? Authentic worship. You mean everything you say and everything you sing. And it recognizes um, who you sing to. And we sing to the one true God. Sometimes it's just easy to sing and not mean it. I have been guilty of that. Sometimes we're not comfortable with the song, so we just mouth it. Or sometimes we really like it because that's the style we like to sing. And we sing it with all gusto and not realize who we're singing to and who it's for. We think it's for ourselves. And this is what Jesus was saying. And he said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. We don't want to be people like that. Amen? True worshipers know that authentic worship is not about them. And it's not for them. That's what worshiping in vain is. When we think it's about us. If anyone should judge the worship that we offer, it should be God. Right? Because He's our audience. And I want you to know something. God does judge our worship. Did you know that? It says so right here in John chapter 4. It says true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if we fail in our endeavor to enter the sacred, if we fail to worship God in spirit and truth, He doesn't show up. Because He is seeking those who worship in spirit and truth. And if there's anyone that we need to be here on Sunday morning with us, it's God. If I was ever to be gone, Robert could come up here and preach. Right, Robert? Amen. I mean, this morning, Paul even said, Hey, Pastor, you know, if you ever don't show up, we got people ready to go. <laughs> That's what he said. And you know what? I believe it. And I know it. But why even show up if God's not here? So church, oh, true worshipers know that authentic worship is not about them. God is the one that judges our worship. And if we don't worship in spirit and truth, God doesn't show up. And we need Him to show up. And you know what the hard part is? The challenging part for all of us is that we live in a culture of judging, don't we? We live in a culture that judges everything. If you ever get a make a call to any kind of customer service thing, you know what happens right after? Will you stay on for a quick survey? No. <laughs> and if you hang up, they send you an email. Would you take this survey? Oh, man. Right? And so they want, they want your feedback. They want you to judge their customer service. Yelp asks you to judge every restaurant you go to, how good the food is, how good the service is. You can judge them with how many stars you give them, right? We're asked to judge um, the, uh, the Uber driver, right? I've, never, I've only ridden Uber once in my life, and I didn't know how to judge them. But they say, give stars or something like that. 
We're asked to judge the movies that we watch. And every time someone posts on Facebook, there are hundreds of people that judge that post. By the way, I want you to know I'm not on social media. I do not have a Facebook account, but Facebook still sends me notifications that people want to be my friend. So, if you want to be my friend, I want you to know I want to be yours too. But you have to come to me and introduce yourself because I'm not on Facebook, all right? Thank you. <laughs> so in the church, when it comes to worship, hear me when I say this. Please don't allow the culture of our world to invade the sacred. Instead, let's marvel at the mystery of God's great love and depth for all of us that he would allow us to enter into the sacred space, to enter into a sacred relationship with him and worship him alone and give him the glory that is due to him, to worship him in spirit and in truth and express our great love for him with all of our heart and soul and our mind and not to desecrate An authentic church worships authentically. We participate in it. We engage in it. And we allow that worship to spill over from what happens here into the normal, everyday rhythms and routines of our life. That's what ought to happen, church. And I want to point out something of a new reality that we're facing in this church. Right? We're gathered here together in one service, which is a new reality for us. We used to have two services. And in this new reality of our service, our children and our teens worship with us. Right? We, we had our children um, exit before my sermon. And they're going to be learning things at their level and talking about Jesus, which is fantastic. But I'm going to ask you a really important question. How will our children and our teens ever know how to worship authentically? They will know by watching you. We are their example. Everything that they will learn about worship will come from what you and I do. And our legacy will be shown in 10 or 15 years about how we worship. And I will tell you this, that if we judge and criticize the sacred, they will do the exact same thing. And I'm going to be really, really honest with you right now and tell you that is exactly what I grew up seeing. Maybe you too. Because it's in our DNA. They judge Charles Wesley the very same things and those challenges that we're struggling with now. And that's passed on from generation to generation to generation. And church, we need to do better for our children. We need to do better. If we do the same thing, we will pass this on to the next generation. 
But I want you to know that there is hope. In my life, I'll tell you how that hope came. Everything about worship changed for me when I saw authentic worship modeled for me so beautifully. It wrecked me. It really wrecked me. It has molded me and it has changed me. And I saw it when I saw it, I knew it instantly. And I'll tell you the story. I was in Cali, Colombia at the Casa de Oración Iglesia del Nazareno, the house of prayer, Church of the Nazarene. I was at a master's plan discipleship conference there. We were guests. And uh, it was it was an experience that I'll never forget. We were at the conference and the conference concluded on Sunday morning. The conference was amazing. And on Sunday morning, we were asked to come to the 9 a.m. service, but we got there about 9.30 and they ushered us in at about 9.45 so that we could be ready to get the best seats because we were guests. They wanted to situate us very, very well in the sanctuary. This church, the Casa de Oración Iglesia de Nazareno, is a church of about 20,000 people. It's just ridiculous. The service, the congregation, the sanctuary, only held 2,500 people. And so they had seven or eight services going on, one after the other. 2,500 people filled to capacity. And we walked in 15 minutes before the last one ended. And they were finishing up, and the pastor made his his sermon plea for the congregation to respond. And more people responded in one service that day that attended my church in Hawaii. In every single service. It was just, oh! And then they closed with a song. And we were standing in the back. In fact, we were standing in the foyer. Here's the foyer. And there was a large screen, just like that. Twice as big. (laughs) And and the pulpit and and the, the stage was over there. And the people weren't even facing the direction of where the pulpit was because there was another 2,500 people between them. They were the last people that got there. They were sitting in the last row facing in another direction. And when they started to sing, everyone was all in. Hands raised, singing with all their hearts like as if they were in the front row. And to see that, was truly amazing. Like, you're, you're seeing that, and you're like, and here's how I know, <laughs> here's how I know that, that it was truly authentic. I had no idea what they were singing. Right? It was all in Spanish, and I just, I know how to say hello and goodbye, and I know the name of the church. <laughs> so I couldn't even engage well. But when I entered into that space, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit was was dripping. The people there worshipped in spirit and truth. And God showed up. You could tell. And I couldn't even speak the language. And I was ushered into authentic worship. Now, that was powerful. But I tell you, the next thing that happened, The next thing that happened, I'd never seen before in my life. 
the service ended. And it took about 20 minutes for everyone to exit the sanctuary. 2,500 people. They have flags. They're like, you know, the runway at the airport. They're showing people the way out. And then they grab all of us that came to the conference. They sat, they sat us right about right here. <laughs> you know, about 15 rows back in the center. We're watching. And then they opened the doors for the next side. And what I saw, what I saw, Men, women, children, the young and the old, when they opened the sanctuary doors, ran in, reckless abandon, running to fill up the first rows of the chairs. <laughs> what? I saw these people streaming by, get out of my way, you know, trying to get to the front row. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? It took my breath away. And I long for that. And church, if there's ever going to be an example that we set for our children, shouldn't it be that? Holy cow. I got back to my church back in Hawaii, and everybody is sitting in the back row like, that's my seat right here, you know? You, you, you'll, you'll, you'll never be the same when you're in the presence of authentic worship like that. Church, oh, I long for that. I long for that as a pastor for our church. So, in closing, I just want to remind you that authentic worship, it's straightforward. There's not a whole lot of debate about it a sacred endeavor. And I want to close with the words that the Apostle Paul shared with the church in Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, because this right here is your true and proper worship. You don't conform to the Stop complaining. Stop doing the things that we do to Uber drivers. This is sacred. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I believe it is God's will that we worship authentically in spirit and in truth. And I'd like to give us an opportunity to do that today as we close. Our worship team is going to sing that beautiful song, The Heart of Worship. The words say, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, Jesus. When you sing that form, would you join me? Really mean it of your heart. Would you stand with us? Let's worship authentically today. When the music fades and all is stripped away and it simply comes longing just to
take a moment and pray. We have some prayer warriors on the edges of this room. So over here in the, underneath these, I don't know what you want to call them. Uh, <laughs> but on the side flankings of this space, you're welcome to pray. If you want to come to the altar, if you see people praying, just kind of keep your voices down as we enter out. We just missed. 